Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. In this meditation, I invite you to become aware of the two types of consciousness that reside within the soul. Let us choose the consciousness of light over the darkness of past stories, the history that gets into our way. Let us now remember our connection to the supreme energy, the supreme soul, the being of light. For far too long, we have allowed the external forces to dictate our inner force. And at this time, I choose to get off the grid and step inside the heart to be myself. I choose to no longer be under the influence of what the world tells me, what my parents have told me, my spouse, friends, or anyone who has been a negative influence in my life. In this meditation, I stand strong in the original, eternal, imperishable worth of the soul. I, the being of light, the soul of power, I step into the heart and I become a being of love, a being of light.
ಭಗವತಿ ಗಂಗೆ ತ್ರಿಭುವನ ತಾರಿಣಿ ತರಲ ತರಂಗೆ ದೇವಿ ಸುರೇಶ್ವರಿ ಭಗವತಿ ಗಂಗೆ ತ್ರಿಭುವನ ತಾರಿಣಿ ತರಲ ತರಂಗೆ ಶಂಕರ ಮಹೂಲಿ ವಿಹಾರಿಣಿ ವಿಮಲೆ ಮಮ ಮತಿರಾಸಾಂಸವ ಪದ ಕಮಲೆ ಅಲಕಾನಂದೇ ಪರಮಾನಂದೇ ಗುರು ಕರುಣಾಮಯ ಕಾತರವಂಗೇ ತವ ತಟ ನಿಕಟೆಯಸ್ಯಸ ಖಲು ವೈಕುಂಠೆ ತಸ್ಯಸ you love that track. Welcome everyone. You're listening to America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna, and that was Ricky Cage, Grammy Award winner. I think he was the third or the fourth Indian to ever win a Grammy Award and the youngest. He's doing a lot of good work with his music and the environment, and he's dedicated most of his music free as a service to help to uplift the environment and make it into a better place. And I have to tell you that um, we were together in New York for Stephanie Rule's launch. She's from MSNBC, and she's launched a new podcast called Modern Rules. Ricky and I spent a really good evening together, and we're now in collaboration with um, producing a new meditation album with his music and my lyrics and voice. So let's see how... All of that works out and continues to unfold for our lives. Things are really interesting, isn't it, folks? Um, I've been thinking a lot about us as just people and this insatiable desire for money and what we feel is ours or our own and sometimes the lack of empathy that we carry for each other because it's all about us now, this game that we're in. It's just all about us, and I don't know what to do. It's like I don't know where people are or what's going on in their lives, but it's just all about them. 
And sometimes you get to a point that you wonder why, why, what, where, how do we cope with the current climate? And that's that's the main reason why I'm a very strong supporter of meditation, reflection, journaling, paying attention to inspiring conversations, classes, learning from people who have been there and done that who have stepped forward and who have made made the mark in life. Because at the end of the day, when you and I take our last breath, will it really matter that you, you know, got over on someone to take care of just your limited stuff or that you abused somebody because you thought you were more powerful than they were or you know, that you acted like you weren't a child of God. Um, Will it all matter in your final breath when that soul has to slip out of that body? Will you really be at peace with the choices that you've made? It's a question that I'm asking you to contemplate on. It's a really deep one for me. There's so much going on in America, so much going on around the world. People are struggling with just life. Everyone's struggling with life, with just being a better version of themselves. And each time I go back to looking at what we're doing to ourselves and how we are, it just seems like we're compromising so much of our spiritual freedom for material worth or material possessions. And it just seems so useless. just seems so useless. Hmm. But there's always hope. And there's always, what they say, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And I'm going to continue to at least have the flip side of feeling like, why is it that people are just so driven in a way that it doesn't seem to benefit the greater picture, even though all of that is supposed to happen? But it's like there isn't this care, this love, this understanding, this empathy of life, this this need to to value people, it's become a less behavior. And I'm asking all of you who are listening today, just do something kind, generous, open and loving to another person. Donate. Do charity. You know, as you all know, America Meditating Radio is an charitable radio show and it's a non-profit take care of the show enjoy the guests the music the meditations we support over nine charities from America Meditating Radio we do that from the heart that's all that matters so let's find a way to rethink the way we see ourselves understand ourselves but also understand each other Here's free of attachment from my Inclusion Revolution Meditation album, which you can also acquire on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Amazon and elsewhere. Take a deep breath. carried any attachments 
attachments about who I think I am or how someone else perceives me or attachment to my country or my gender, attachment to a religion. What would it be like to be free of attachments to labels and to simply be loving? So just for a little while, I invite you to let go of attachments. What if I was no longer attached to my name? How does it feel? Let go of your attachment to your gender. You're no longer a man or a woman. Let go of your titles. Let go of your nationality. And experience yourself letting go of even your religion. Now let go of your body. If I don't have a name, a gender, a title, a nationality, a religion, or a body, then who would I think of? And who would think of me? It would be the supreme being that would think of me. And I would think of the supreme. In this meditation, I invite you to sit in an experience of unlimited freedom in real inner power. Now gradually observe how the soul feels as it puts back on the awareness of the body, nationality, the religion, the title, the gender, Bring through these labels your experience of being with the divine and feeling free and at peace with yourself. Om Shanti. Welcome back, everyone. What a perfect moment of reflection to seep in the conversation that I had earlier. And just the the invitation and the need for us to rise up and begin to come from a place inside of the personality that is going to last for a very long time. And sometimes you have to ask yourself if you're squeezing infinity from your past or if you're squeezing your infinity or making your infinity grand for your future. We've got to start to rethink what it means to be alive and who we really are. And one of the reasons why I love America Meditating Radio is that it will challenge you to do just that. Today, I'm very happy to welcome our next guest. Danielle Amaduru is a self-made multimillionaire and a full-time skeptic of conventional thought. He's the co-founder of the Future Money Trends newsletter and futuremoneytrends.com which with nearly 150,000 subscribers is a widely recognized online authority in investment ideas and economic advice. He's been featured in the Wall Street Journal on ABC World News Tonight, 
and on Russia Today TV. Danielle is said to have correctly predicted the collapse of Lehman Brothers, AIG, and Washington Mutual on Vision Victory, the YouTube channel he launched in 2007, and which now has more than 13 million views. He's the best-selling author of the new book, Don't Save for Retirement. Today we welcome Danielle Amaduri to America Meditating Radio. Hi, Danielle. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me on the show. You're making me feel very inspired when you tell me not to save for my retirement. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, well, I've got that part down easy. (laughs) You know, exactly. So I understand that at a point in your life, you didn't listen to your own advice, and you made some pretty bad bets with real estate marketing in California, which wiped out so much of your, basically your entire income and savings. So what happened, and how were you able to rebuild your wealth, Danielle? Well, a lot of us probably can uh, connect with this, and I was just, I was young. And, uh, you know, when I turned 18, it was the year 2000, and I had bought my first home a few months out of high school. And, um, of course, if you're 18 years old and buying a house in Southern California in the year 2000, what are you thinking? What's going through your head four or five years later is that you're a genius because, of course, these houses were going up like crazy. It, it was the biggest bull market in the history of the United States for housing ultimately becomes the biggest bubble. And I was buying, you know, my, my first one at 18, second one at 19. Then I bought two at 20 and, you know, five or six at 21 and then just kept buying more and more. And unfortunately um, I just was uh, getting as, as much leverage as possible, borrowing as much money as I could to buy and get these houses because my only experience with these is that they went up. Most of them, you know, in California going up 10, 20,000 a month. So, right. That made me overly confident in my hmm. abilities in, as a real estate investor, and that ultimately leads me to completely imploding, and every penny that I ever made between the year 2000 and 2008, I gave nearly all of it back. Uh, by, the t- by, by the time 2008 was around, I was sitting in a, in a uh, bankruptcy attorney's office. Luckily, we didn't file bankruptcy, my wife and I, but I mean, it, it went full circle. I had to start from scratch. Mm, wow, that must have been hard at 18. I remember when I bought my first house at 19. And the feeling of accomplishment, right? I mean, at that age, what do we know other than to live the big dream, right? And to yeah. make everything work out for us. And then all of a sudden, we begin to realize that there is a system and we are a part of the system and we can get trapped in that system. And that happened. And that definitely happened during the housing um, collapse. What have you found to be perhaps the key to achieving financial independence? And particularly, has things changed during this particular climate that we're in now financially? You know, I think in the sense that there are always opportunities um, in front of us, whether you're in a bear market or bull market or whatever what the climate is for the economy. I mean, today a lot of millennials say that it's hard but it's it's you know you have to consider that they could also adopt this beautiful uh, environment that they are in when it comes to technology. You can start a business for ten dollars. You can start a podcast for free. Uh, when I say business ten dollars, you can go to GoDaddy. And, I mean I I did stuff like that, and that's how I got <laughs> my start. But you know the 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 question of what is the what is the most important thing about being financially independent. I would say it was a change in my mindset of instead of investing and speculating on things to go up, I started buying things that made me money, and I really made it a rule. 
and it's a it, I've got it a, a big sign in my children's homeschool room about buying financial assets that cash flow being a very very strict criteria because you know when I had to hit reset and I was looking at you know the next 30 40 years in front of me I was like man that really sucks I don't like this idea that I need to just save money and wait to be free for 40 years, 30 years. I didn't like that idea. I'm like, there's got to be another way. And that's what ultimately put me on this journey with my wife on really trying to mimic what wealthy people invest in, as well as um, having a very sustainable life. Uh, you know, that thing that blew me up, having too much debt in 2008, it actually mm -hmm. became a, um, one of the best gifts in my life because that scar is so ingrained in me. I guarantee mm -hmm. you ask me how much debt I have right now is none. So <laughs> I, um, I'm much more uh, prudent and uh, I, I focus on sustainability. Very nice point that you've just made. What are some key habits that can help us in our daily lives today? You know, some key, I mean, first of all, I love the show, uh, meditating. I start every day uh, just focusing on what I'm grateful for. I meditate with my entire family, my five-year-old, my eight-year-old, my uh, nine-year-old, and we focus on just having, uh, starting the day with, with appreciation. Because, you know, I notice you can't be, I always tell my kids when they're mad or something, I was like, just start, just start thinking the things you're, th you're grateful for, things of your thankful for, because you can't be mad if you're in an, in an appreciative state. So mm -hmm. that is one habit. I start every day with my family and we just focus not long, you know, five to 10 minutes on what we're, what we're thankful for. Um, another great habit, uh, especially for people who are looking to become either financially free or um, just mm -hmm. more comfortable financially is really saving a larger amount than you're comfortable with, especially in the beginning and become a disciplined saver and saving actually after a while becomes fun and you actually enjoy it, and maybe you'll be that frugal friend or cheap friend or whatever, <laughs> but hey, it's a lot of fun saving money. And then the most important habit of all when it comes to finances, I think you need to get in the habit of buying income. So our brains are conditioned from lack of education in the public school system and from our parents, and then you know, then you run into the, the conditioning of, of Wall Street where, hey, mm -hmm. give us your money, and trust us with it for 30, 40 years, and it'll work out. Well, you know, right. the Wall Street people have yachts. They're driving great cars. They're living in penthouses. I'm not hearing any of that going on for the clients. So forget about Wall Street and start living with a rule that unless my investment mails me a check every month or every three months, I'm not, not buying interested. it. Because <laughs> not interested. that's what the rich people, that's what rich people right. do. Rich people preserve and, and have income. Right, right. So then talking about preserving and have a lot of income and waiting for that checks to come in, I've been very interested in cryptocurrency. Everyone always goes, Sister Jenna, why are you interested in bitcoins and mm. cryptocurrency? I go, I think it's the future. I just intuitively feel that there's something about it. And I always ask folks who might know a little bit more than me, a little bit more about it. For example, I've been watching Ripple. I've been looking at some of these trends and movements and I'm I'm noticing like a company like Ripple it's not moving at all it moved like a year and a half ago and that was it and it just hasn't moved and then I'm looking at the bitcoin right now it's just stayed stayed stable at about 8 or 9000 it just won't move anymore is cryptocurrency or bitcoins really the future is it going to really make it I think the blockchain is already happening it's been implemented through many corporations, Fortune 500, the Catholic Church even has its own 
cryptography and blockchain to, to keep track of its members and its churches. Facebook is coming out with one, JP Morgan. So I have no doubt that the blockchain is being implemented throughout the world already, and it is the future is happening right now. Now, as far as the cryptocurrencies, futuremoneytrends.com, my newsletter that I share all my personal finance stuff, that was one of the first letters to ever profile it uh, at $13. And I remember mm. going there to a conference. Uh, it was, I think it was 2011 or 2012. And it was just a few hundred guys in Vegas. And I, I remember walking out of that building going, man, the next Steve Jobs or Bill Gates was in there because no <laughs> one was in there to make money. They were in there to change the world, whether it was people who wanted to have more privacy and peer-to-peer transactions without government or bank right. involvement or mm-hmm. people just trying to go to that next level of, of trust and communication between people. Uh, it was people – and when you got a bunch of people trying to change the world, which is that's what's going on with crypt- cryptocurrency – you know, I, my money is there. So I look, I just will say this to the audience that it is speculative. This is not like buying a gold bar. Uh, this is not <laughs> buying Walt Disney Corporation on the, on the New York Stock Exchange. See, they're speculative. So if you buy them, buy Bitcoin, buy Litecoin, buy Dash and, and these smaller ones uh, if you want. But, but just know that you are speculating. And um, I would never invest anything that you're not willing to lose. Will, not willing to lose because it is pure speculation, and we have no idea what the government response or the central bank's response is going to be to these private currencies. Right now, in one of your television programs on YouTube, you talked about Hive blockchain. You think it's still a number one choice? Yeah, Hive is a great company. It's a it's one of the first mining companies uh, for the cryptocurrencies that you could buy on the public markets. Now, like Bitcoin, uh, you actually saw it. It went from 30 cents to 675, and then it crashed all the way back down to 30 cents. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like with these cryptocurrencies. They're volatile. The the public companies that hold them are even more volatile. But one of the things I like about Hive, or a few things, is number one, they have a first mover advantage. They're, you know, they're owned by Fidelity and very large institutions, ETFs, so they're kind of the one that a lot of the institutions go to. It's ran by a guy named Frank Holmes, one of the most stand-up uh, CEO chairmans on the planet. And then also it's, it's like an option call. So Hive mines the cryptocurrency, and then they, they cold storage it. So that's one of the reasons why they don't have big revenues because they're not selling their cryptocurrencies. They're holding them. So you can imagine if Ethereum gets to, say, 1000 10000 and Bitcoin gets to 20000 30000 40000 50000 that is going to revalue – uh, what Hive is worth because they're holding mm-hmm. and hoarding onto a ton of cryptocurrency. Unlike Ripple. You know, uh, well, so Ripple is an actual cryptocurrency. So, yeah, Hive is more of a publicly traded company. They can mine Ripple. They can mine Ethereum. They can mine Bitcoin. They can mine whatever they think the best margins are for profit. But now Ripple or Dash or Bitcoin, those are actual cryptocurrencies. Uh, Ethereum mm-hmm. and Ripple, people are using them for uh, like Ripple, the banks are using for transactions. Uh, Ethereum is, is like a platform that, you know, for these smart contracts as well as other cryptocurrencies to base their platforms off of. Mm-hmm. I'm just really excited about that particular area because I remember a friend of mine, he started with his investments in Bitcoins about maybe seven, eight years ago, and now he's a, literally a billionaire. And it's not that because it's just the money. But it's just this pressure that you have with IRS, governments, this, that, that. But there's just something that gives you an element of 
a sort of freedom. And I feel that when I look at Bitcoins or cryptocurrency, um, it's the people's money now. It becomes the people's money. And my heart always feels like it's time for everyone to just have a break, to get a chance that they don't have to really save for their retirement. <laughs> it's a title for your new book. <laughs> um, we've always been told the importance of saving for retirement especially. And you said earlier on in, in the conversation that it's good to save a good portion of money at least to have that. But where it comes on to retirement in the book, your title is saying don't. It's not important to save for retirement. Why do you believe that we should not? And if we're not saving for retirement, where should we be putting our money, Danielle? It's a great question. Uh, you know, now, so so the reason I said don't save for retirement is because for me, the baby boomers had the best real estate market, in my opinion, best bond market and best stock market. Yet, according to Vanguard, who's the largest holder of these accounts, 401ks who are 65 and up, the median, the median account holder has about $55,000. So, you know, you're hearing and reading all these stories about how people are not uh, sufficiently ready for retirement. So to me, the retirement idea is relatively a new idea. Really, I mean, you know, last 60, 70 years, uh, you know, you can trace it back to, I mean, the Roman Empire had some pensions for their, for their soldiers, uh, but then really the first private pension with American Express in the late 1800s, Germany came up with the age 65. It was actually 70, but a politician was running against another one and thought they could get more votes if they lowered to 65. That's where these numbers come from. And then the 401k, mm. that came out basically in the 70s and was implemented in the 80s. So a lot of these things people treat as if this has been around for thousands of years and this is exactly how you need to live your life. And it's just all untrue. And the experiment of retirement failed for the generation that probably had the best asset appreciation environment in history. So wow. – if it failed for them, what is the alternative? And I believe the alternative is, is not deferring your life and not deferring your savings and reallocating to Wall Street. It's instead buying things that you can make money from, like passive income. So whether you're buying a privately, uh, private equity REIT or a publicly traded one or dividend-paying stock or a rental property or you're loaning money out or you're getting involved in crowdfunded investments where – you can loan money to people who need a mortgage. You can have $25 in, in, the, in, you know, in the pot, even though it's a $300,000 mortgage. There are so many opportunities to invest in things that will mail you a check. And then with that check, you learn to either purchase more income or actually use the money and enjoy it. Pay your bills wow. with it. Pay your electric bill. So it's this, it's this whole mindset shift of actually using your dollars to make more dollars. And again, this is a, this goes down to what do the rich do, and they preserve and they and they invest for income. The middle class are speculators. They're trying and hoping their 401ks will go up. They're hoping their house will go up. But you know, the advantage of being rich is you don't have to get rich. But you have to adopt that mindset because if you look at what the wealthy invest in, number one, they focus on not losing money. Number two, they focus on bringing in more income. It's a very simple strategy. And even if you didn't quit your job, let's say you had a part-time job or you worked full-time, but you had all this passive income coming in, you're going to be able to enjoy your life much more with peace of mind. Mm -hmm. Because let's, let's face it, finances are one of the biggest things that tears marriages apart that just makes people stressed out. And in the book, I give you all sorts of ideas on how to save money actually by cutting expenses in a combination 
of expanding your um, income, not to one or two household income like most people. I'm talking about having 20, 30 sources of income. Wow, that's great. Now, in your Chapter 2, it goes over in the book how to rethink wealth. I know you touched on it a little bit, but could you share with us what does wealth mean to you? Yeah, and that's a great question for everybody who is even thinking about retirement. Like, why do you even want that? You know, no one's ever really asked themselves that. They just kind of do it. And in the book, when I talk about wealth, which, by the way, for your listeners, if they, if they go to futuremoneytrends.com slash save, they can actually read the first chapter and the introduction, which is very personal with my wife and I uh, at an attorney's office. And if you really consider what wealth is, uh, to me, it's my time, ha- my ability to use my time how I want. So that's waking yes. up when I'm done sleeping, being with my family, you know, not necessarily traveling on a yacht in a private jet or something like that. I'm not talking about, you know, your ability to just do anything. I'm talking about the ability to control your time. So ultimately, that's what wealth means to me. Very interesting. Very interesting. Wow, I would have never thought that answer. <laughs> I would have never thought that answer. That's fantastic. The stock market has been doing really very well, and some analysts are predicting, as they always do every few years, an eventual crash. What are your thoughts about this? Are you optimistic about the stock market? I think an, an eventual crash is, is a safe prediction, right, because these things happen. Um but I would, don't see a stock market crash or a recession in the near future uh, just because everyone is predicting one. And if you look historically, you'll never have a scenario where everybody's telling you a recession is coming, everybody's telling you a crash is coming, everybody's telling you to get ready for it. Or in this situation, like the media is like almost like excited about a, a stock market crash. So that right there off the, off the bat just lets me know that there's just not one coming in, in the next six months or next year here because everybody's too prepared for it. And honestly, once you put that in somebody's mind, it can be a self-fulfilling prophecy, but it can also cause people to cut back a little bit to where they right. save off a recession. So I honestly right. don't think a recession is coming just, or, or a stock market crash in this, just based off of the simple indicator that you're never going to have a crash or a recession when everybody's telling you it's going to happen. So how's the book doing so far? The book is doing great. Don't save for retirement. Um, you know, it, it's it's an Amazon bestseller in about eight different categories. We came just shy of being a Wall Street Journal bestseller, but I'm very happy with it. You know, I, I started the book out uh, just a, I was, a few years ago. I was with my wife. We were doing our trust and our will, and we had everything set up, you know, in case something happened to us for our children. And then I was like, but what about, like, how we live our lives, like how we did what we did financially? And so I was like, we need to create something. So initially it was going to be like this family manual kind of this story. So half the book uh, is my wife and I's journey, and half of it is exactly what we're doing right now and how we had that mind shift change in wealth and how we invest and how we use money. We really teach our children to focus on using money as a tool. Not The money is not an end. It's not the end goal. It's just a tool. But you have to teach someone whether it's a child or an adult, how to use a tool. Otherwise, you know, they're, they're going to, to misuse it or, or confuse it. You know, a lot of people think that just having money is going to make them happy, which it never does. You know, we right. don't have to go on the show. Like, I mean, come on, guys. We all know, like, all the big movie stars and people who have, have harmed themselves, even though they, on the outside, look like they had everything they could have ever wanted. And um, right. money is, is, is a 
is not a good is not a good goal. And really, the if you focus on your purpose, what do you really want in life? That's really kind of how you can kind of really build your life the way you want it, to where you can control your time and have that motivation to do the smart things with your money because you know that it's more important to be free than to have a Gucci bag or a BMW. Yes, 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 of course. I mean, I think if we look at money in the form of energy, then we begin to make conscientious choices about not only the way we earn it, but the way we share it. And the sharing of it is such an important factor in the way that you value it. Because when you share it, I think, for things that are of benefit and long-term, and you have children, and I'm sure that you think every day about their future, and so the way that you share and create money and just the energy around it is mostly maybe for their well-being, for, for their future. And I feel that we need to do that more. There are a lot of people that tend to look at money on, at a level of um, just gathering a lot just for themselves. What do you think about individuals who do that and don't necessarily donate or share their abundance? I'll, gi- I'll give you a great example, that? actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have, and it, it's going to be – might not be the answer everybody's looking for. Okay, so okay. let's take a guy like Bill Gates. Bill Gates mm-hmm. created Microsoft. Microsoft changed the world. And, yes. um, it, I mean, literally, like you and I are having this discussion because the companies like Microsoft where they made it, uh, you know, PCs user-friendly for everybody. And Bill Gates, I mean, he probably created 100,000 Microsoft jobs and who knows how many millions of derivative jobs. Bill Gates, if he if if he um, he did what he did, and he created, think of all the value creation for other people, and all the money that was made, and all the money that was spent, all of that through building Microsoft a profitable business. Now his charity, um, he he donates billions of dollars and creates things, um, and I like him well, because he's very entrepreneurial minded uh, with the Melinda mm-hmm. and uh, Bill Gates Foundation. However. I would, I would argue, I could easily make this argument. There is no way that organization is ever going to be able to compete with Microsoft. So he can give all of his billions away, but it still can't compete with how much value, how much trillions of dollars in the global economy has been created because of this company called Microsoft. So in that sense, I, now, I personally, I have a few charities. I'm very tight in with, or, with uh, the or- Orcas and, and trying to build a sea, seaside sanctuary for them. Uh, uh-huh. So I'm, I'm very heavily involved in helping the animals and the environment because those are things that can't defend themselves. Those are things that can't make money. Uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be so against – even if you have the greediest pig on the planet, as long as he's out there creating things to make himself money, Ultimately, he's going right. to make a lot of other people money, and I know it's a sh- like a lot of people don't consider that or think about that. No, I get but what you're saying. Even if he just took saying. all the money and saved it, he's still creating so many jobs. Yes, I get what you're saying, and I and I'm for you on that one because I think that's important. I was with somebody, actually, I was with um, a billionaire friend in L.A. a few months ago, and um, what was it? There was something I was working on with a celebrity, and I was um, in inspiring him to help to support the non-profit. And um, as I was being driven in his roles, the driver was saying, oh, you give this money to these people and they, you know, you never know what they use with it and it's all a, you know, a, a trick and this and that. And I paused for a moment, Danielle, and I said, well, 
Even if 30% of your donation goes towards the actual need for the charity, think about the hundreds of jobs that you're helping to finance for people's lives that are working in the company. So no matter what, you're generating money. And then my question to him was, well, what are you doing with yours? And basically, again, it's not my business, but that if you're just sitting on it with nothing of inspiration with it, then what is the purpose of having a lot of wealth if it's not able to be shared? And again, or create something that changes the world. I'm with you on that one, that it's time that we do something to change the world in a way that it just inspires so many people's lives. Um, So I'm with you on that one. Uh, So I think everyone who listens to the show will will hear you on that. Um, Let's talk a little bit about gratitude and how important it is to be grateful for what we have instead of just pursuing our desires for more. I almost think that gratitude is the secret to life. I really do. I have it written all over my my office here, Um, thankfulness. And, you know, a line that I learned from Tony Robbins, not just a line, something really to understand, and I have it written in front of me on my wall, is everything in life is a gift, even the worst things have led to the best blessings of my life. And I always tell my children that when they're going through a hard time or, or a struggle or even when my wife and I are going through something, you know, I look at, you know, the reason I met my wife is because we met in karate. The only reason I was in karate was because on the last day of eighth grade, somebody came from behind me and punched me and embarrassed me and knocked me on the ground. And it was a horrible day, but it caused me to join karate. Fast forward, my wife is karate. If that, if I wouldn't have been punched in the face and humiliated, which was a horrible day, I would have never met my wife and I would not have my life that I have right now. So that is one thing I really encourage people to go back and, and start, stop just think, being thankful for the easy things that are easy to appreciate. Start yes. going back to the hardest things that you've gone through in your life and start being grateful for those moments because those yes. are the moments that made you who you are today. Absolutely. There's darkness. Um, there are treasures in the darkness, without a doubt. Have you ever had some of those days even now, let's say within the last two, three years, Um, where you've just really felt down, and even though you have everything, you've got a beautiful wife, beautiful kids, your company's doing well, but you woke up and there's just something bothering you inside. You might not know what it is. It might be a need for more. Who knows? But you just had a down time. If so, what did you do to get out of it? Yeah, you know, um, those moments happen for everybody, and I really try to focus on um, what makes me happy? And again, a mm-hmm. question that a lot of us don't take time to ask. What makes me happy is being with my wife and my children. So what I'll try to do is like, first of all, before this interview, we were all sitting around the couch just chatting for about 30 minutes while we, me and my wife and I drank our coffee. Then we watched a little bit of Shark Tank because that's like religion around this house. We love Shark Tank. <laughs> you know, so we, when we discuss the different deals and that's like the most happy thing I can do is just being with my family. So a lot of times, it's, it's good to just identify those things in your life that what makes you happy because happiness is not something that you can get into a permanent state, and that's what people want, but it's impossible. And, um, but, but you can reignite those things that do make you happy and those people that make you And oftentimes you will find it's the people. Uh, one of the hardest things I've, I've gone through my entire life happened uh, about three years ago, and that was the death of my father. And that really, you know, uh, was very difficult to uh, to to get, recover from. And I know anybody who's listening to this who's, who's lost somebody close in their life can can totally connect. And we all have, 
what happens to people. It's just part of our lives. But, uh, you know, that was one of the hardest moments of my life. And one of the things I just really focused on was the happy times with my father and just, just meditating into deep, deep gratitude. And honestly, it was so beautiful because when I would meditate and just meditate on my father, I started to actually was able to pull out some memories that I had probably forgotten, but the brain was uh, just really connecting spiritually. And, um, you know, it just, it was, it was a very beautiful time. It turned out because I was actually able to recover and, and think about a lot of memories of my childhood that I might not have remembered. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever gone like a long time in it? I ask a lot of people these questions because it's sometimes an area that a lot of folks who have things going on for themselves, um, they sometimes just get stuck in a particular place. And even when they think about the good times and they think about everything that's working well, and maybe not everybody likes Shark Tank. (laughs) By the way, I was with um, Mm -hmm. Damon John just a few days ago um, at the Global the Global Citizen Festival in 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 New York and and he he and his wife, but um, let's just say like you're stuck for a few days, a few weeks. Um, have you ever been there like a few days, few weeks, or are you just like nope, you don't even allow it to get that far. You know, I would say at the most a few days uh, where you kind yeah. of get in a funk, and um, you know, again, uh, I, I I'm, I'm very lucky that my wife homeschools the children because it's very easy for us just to stop what we're doing and go down to the beach and go walk or go swim or be around the sea lions, uh, you know, just seeing animals. I really think animals and, and just other being around other people, being around the na- nature is very healing. And I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't recommend that more. I think there's something about just being outside and being yeah. with the people you love. That is, is a very healing thing if you are feeling down. And then of course, you know, you have to also stop and just think about what is what is upsetting you and what can you do to solve it. So one thing I've trained my brain is just to relentlessly focus on solutions. Um, there are no problems. Just, you know, what is the solution? What can I do? What can I alter? And a lot of times it's ugly. Like you might like maybe there's a person in your life who's just dragging you down or upsetting you and you just have to do what you really know what's uncomfortable, but you might just have to just disconnect from some of those people. Mm. Daniel Amaduri, you're just a, a treat. You're a jewel, and we want to thank you for joining us on air today. Leave us with a website where we can find more information about you and your work, and if you are ever in the Washington metropolitan area, please let's do a book signing at the museum. I'm sure our audience would absolutely love you. Well, thank you very much. Uh, my best place to go is futuremoneytrends.com, and if they'll do slash save, forward slash save, you can actually get the Weekly Wealth Digest free, which is basically uh, different stories my wife and I share, as well as things we're investing in now, as well as the first chapter and the introduction of the book. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Danielle. All the very best to you and your family. That was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Same here. Bye-bye. You know, through the voice of someone, you can know the nature of their character and their energy. And I felt that with Danielle Amaduri. So if you want some more information, go to his website at futuremoneytrends.com and his website. But also his book, Don't Save for Retirement, get into that. I certainly will over the weekend just to find out more about how do I prepare for this incredible future that's awaiting all of us. It's a a good time. It's a good time. Save wisely. Um, I I I took away from that. 
save wisely, uh, rethink the way that you, you know, look at money and wealth. And if you have, if you look at wealth in terms of being able to really use your time in the way that you want to, you're pretty lucky. I loved that one. That was mine. I loved that one. That was my takeaway on that one. I loved it. So I hope you've enjoyed our conversation. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we really are here to love each other the same. So we should do that a whole lot more, definitely. Don't forget to support our friends, by the way, at the Global Love Button Movement. As you know, um, Chris Martin from Coldplay, Pharrell Williams. We even got a chance to button up the mayor of New York, Bill de Blasio, and we had a really great connection. Um, And so go to globallovebutton.org as well to find out more about their work and and support them. They're a wonderful organization. Don't forget, America Meditating Radio is your number one choice to tune in and not only do some meditation, but to learn a lot about life, like you did today with our conversation with Danielle Amadura. Here's One Family by Elizabeth Padilla in Anabuti, California. Um, She's there at a retreat center called Anabuti, and it's in California in Novato. (laughs) Got that right. You take care, everyone. Here's one family. Rising, hear the mighty shout. 
I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.